How's it going, Chris? How's it going? Welcome, everyone, to episode 17 of the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. We are talking AFC East today. We're going to wrap up the eighth round before we get into sort of our normal shows um, starting next week. But uh, before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit NFL news here. Wasn't much this week, but we'll start off with... uh, Actually, we're going to switch it up. I'm going to go start with Lamar Jackson, Madden 21 cover. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I was telling my sister's fiance here that um, I buy Madden every year. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't want to. Actually, give me a sec. That's not the right one. I kind of don't want to just because it's the Ravens and I don't like the Ravens. But here they are anyways. Um, I mean, I had to go through it with Brady and Gronk in like back-to-back years, so... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. A Madden cover is a Madden cover. And I know I saw a tweet the other day actually that said... Lamar might actually not even have to be worried about the Madden curse because the last three guys have done pretty well after being cover athletes because Brady, um, he went to the Super Bowl that year. That was the, uh, that was Super Bowl 51, right? Was that the one against the Eagles? No. All right. Actually, yeah. No, no, yeah. That was, yeah, he went to Super Bowl 52 that year, lost to the Eagles, but still, they made the Super Bowl. And then, uh, yeah, but that's his curse is losing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, what was it? Who was actually no, it was Super Bowl 53. No, who was, who was two years ago, Madden? I don't remember. I just remember Patrick <laughs> Mahomes was last year and he won the Super Bowl. So, uh, wait. Two years ago, no, two years ago was the Antonio Brown cover, wasn't it? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, two years oh, ago, yeah. Antonio Brown, and he had a miraculous season for the Steelers. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. And everything went downhill after that. Oh, uh, right, yeah. Uh, that's another conversation, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I can get into that all day. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know. I kind of hope the Madden curse comes back, though, just so the Ravens uh, don't do as well this year. But that's just me being a Steelers fan. Well, who, who's the backup right now, RG3? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of the same type of player as Lamar Jackson, but, but you definitely know, nowhere near the skill level. You know who comes in, though, if both those guys get hurt? Trace who? McSorley, baby. <laughs> Penn State guy. <laughs> Sixth round draft pick last year. <laughs> Anyways, um... Another thing that was this week, which uh, saddened me and a lot of Eagles fans, that Brandon Brooks, the all-pro and pro bowler at guard for the Eagles for I don't even know how many seasons now. It's been quite a while since he's been on the team, since he got traded from the Texans. But, yeah, he tore his other Achilles. He tore his first Achilles two years ago in the playoffs against the Saints, came back nine months after that to play last season. Um and then towards Achilles again, training to get back to the 2020 season. So it's a big hit in their line. I mean, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I, I have some stuff, but. I mean, with a quarterback like they have in Carson.
Carson Wentz, they need a strong line to keep him upright. So, yeah, I that's mean, a big hit for them. Um, right now the on the roster starter right now would be Matt Pryor, who had been their interior swing guy for a couple seasons now, which isn't terrible. But I kind of want to see them go get Larry Warford since he's still out there in free agency. Got cut by the Saints when they drafted Cesar Ruiz in the first round this year. So that would definitely be a great addition if they can get him to sign. I'm not sure where the cap situation is right now. I know the Eagles do have a good amount, a decent amount of cap space. I know that anyways. Um, But yeah, if Larry Warford or Matt Pryor, I think think they'll be all right. I don't think... It's uh, Panic City, like some people have been talking about. But um, staying in the NFC East, though, Aldrich Rosas, the kicker for the Giants, got arrested this past week for a hit and run. Um, I didn't look into the details of it, but that's the second uh, Giants player that's been arrested this offseason, along with DeAndre Baker. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't even hear about that because considering I live in New Jersey and all that, I and I know a lot of Giants fans. I didn't hear anything about that. Yeah, maybe they're just hiding it because they don't want to admit that their team <laughs> is like a bunch of criminals. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like someone else said on Twitter though, uh, Joe Judge didn't draft Baker and he didn't sign Aldrich Rosas, so mm. it, I don't think it's really a Fair character enough. thing from his standpoint, but. Obviously, he has to come out and say something, and I think he kind of did that today, um, where he kind of said that he supports all his players and that uh, he'll have a talk with them, essentially, just like most coaches say whenever anything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's the NFL news that we have this week. We'll uh, get into the AFC East here, though. The eighth-round series, start off with the Miami Dolphins. Um, first round, they had three, three first, two seconds. Massive um, quality draft picks here. So they got their quarterback of the future, supposedly. I'm going to put air quotes up. Supposedly quarterback of the future. Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama in the fifth, the fifth overall pick. Uh, came back around at 18th, which was the pick they got from the Steelers in the Minka Fitzpatrick trade last year. Um, got their supposed again, supposing, <laughs> left tackle of the future, which I'm not even sure, though. It, but if he's going to play left tackle, though, because why would he went to as a left-handed quarterback? And yeah, you want him to play right. You his, want the better tackle. Side the would right, be the right so. tackle, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I do think Austin Jackson will play left tackle, though. I don't see him, them drafting a first-round right tackle. Mm-hmm. Um their last first-round pick, though, 30th overall, was a pick that they got from the Packers. They traded back um, with the Packers, and that was when they moved up to go get Jordan Love, the quarterback at Utah State. And uh, that selection for the Dolphins was the corner out of Auburn, Noah Igbenogany. I've gotten a lot better at saying his name since uh, our pre-draft show on the AFC East. Um Second round, they got offensive lineman Robert Hunt out of Louisiana Lafayette in 39th overall. Second second round selection was D-tackle Raquan Davis out of Alabama, which was a pick that they got back in the 2019 draft day trade that um, the Saints moved up to select Eric McCoy, their starting center. 
Um, third round, they got safety Brandon Jones out of Texas. Fourth round was guard Solomon Kinley out of UGA. Um, fifth round was the edge rusher Jason Strobridge out of North Carolina, which was a pick that they got also in the Mika Fitzpatrick trade. Um, they also got another edge rusher in the fifth round as well from Boise State, uh, Curtis Weaver. Uh, that was a pick that they got from the Eagles. Um, they traded up to get Curtis Weaver from the Eagles. Uh, sixth round, they got a long snapper. And LSU, they got everyone drafted, even their long snapper this year. So, seventh round, their last pick, they got uh, wide receiver Malcolm Perry from Navy, uh, converted quarterback. And that was a pick that they got from when they traded Jordan Lucas to safety to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, who is your? Actually, no. I'll, I'll go first. I'll let you go uh, with the next team that we'll talk about, since uh, they're kind of a, a big deal for you. Um, <laughs> uh, my my favorite pick though for the Dolphins was the edge rusher Curtis Weaver, who I talked about. Fifth round selection, but uh, as we know with our pre-draft shows, we had Curtis Weaver mocked into the third round anyways mm-hmm. um, but I thought that was a pretty good value there and they definitely needed edge rush help I mean they got Emmanuel Ogba in free agency they have uh, they got Kyle Van Noy as well since they're mm-hmm. running 3-4 Van Noy will be an edge rusher there at outside linebacker <laughs> they also signed Shaq Lawson but um, I don't know I think Curtis Weaver could potentially be push Vince Beagle to be that fourth outside linebacker in the rotation. Um, I mean, Jason Strobridge could too as well. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I think uh, Weaver definitely could be in that outside linebacker rotation for the Dolphins there. So who is your favorite pick for the Dolphins? I know you don't have any favorite picks other than the Jets <laughs> um, in this. Well, no, just to kind of touch on your thing, I, I feel like the entire class of like edge rushers got pushed down. Yeah. Um, because another guy that we're going to he lasted as long as he did I thought he was going to go in the first round but he lasted to the second Mm -hmm. Um, but I think my favorite pick was the cornerback in the first round Noah Igbenogany yeah (laughs) there it is (laughs) Um, yeah he I mean yeah there wasn't much of an option for me because I really don't think two is going to last Mm-hmm. And Austin Jackson, I think, was a weird choice for me at the 18. Reach. I thought that there was better options there at 18. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, I think that Noah Igbenogany is, like, probably the top of the second tier of cornerbacks in this draft class. So the fact that they were able to get him there at 30 and, um, I mean... I can't think of who their corners are right now. I know they have Byron Jones after that massive contract. It's uh, Xavier and Howard and Byron Jones. Oh, yeah. Howard, too, yeah. So he's probably not going to start this year, but he'll be maybe the third corner. Oh, or I think he'll definitely be nickel easily. Yeah. Because uh, they literally don't have anyone. Um, <laughs> Jamal Perry yeah. is the uh, guy behind Xavier and Howard on their depth chart. 
uh, Nick Needham, who I've never heard of. Uh, Ken Webster, who was a undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss last year. He's pretty okay. Uh, not the best, but he was definitely a draftable player last year. Tay mm-hmm. uh, Hayes so, and Ryan Lewis and the other guys. I don't know. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Though. Like They don't have a lot of guys, but he will step in there, and if you think he'll slide into the nickel, then that might be what he does. But he has those other two guys ahead of him that he could learn from. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I know Byron Jones is – I don't know. I still don't think he was worth that contract they gave him. But I think he's still a really good player. And I think he'll be able to learn from him. And especially the guy that's been there a couple of years now, Xavier Howard. He kind of, well, he's the veteran in the room. So he can kind of show them, well, kind of both of them rules, but especially Igbenogany <laughs> there. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, issue that I had with their draft, I mean, obviously, with so many picks, it's hard. It's, it's kind of like the Vikings draft. We mm-hmm. talked about that one. It's just, you have so many picks, it's hard not to fill all your needs. Uh, so, the stretch thing that I had here was uh, that they drafted a wide receiver too late. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, who came out of nowhere last year to have a really good undrafted free agent rookie season. Um, and then they have Albert Wilson as their third guy, which, okay. <laughs> Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, and Jakeem Grant, and then Isaiah Ford, their third through six receivers. Or, thir- yeah, third through six receivers are just, they're okay. <laughs> they're not the best. I think you drafted a rookie, especially, we've been saying it all along about this great rookie class of receivers and they got one <laughs> who isn't even a natural receiver he played quarterback in navy in the triple option offense there mm-hmm. so it's like we'll talk about him in the fantasy segment here in a little bit but yeah i think wide receiver too late was the issue that i had for, yeah. for them um yeah I, th- I mean i don't want to like copy you or whatever but i think just like yeah not addressing the skill positions on offense mm-hmm. uh, too much, except for the quarterback, obviously. Um, but, like, I just want to go back to draft night when we were watching that. I remember as C.D. Lamb was slipping down the board, I know you were hoping he would fall past the Cowboys to get to them. Mm-hmm. And, but there was me and Max. We were like, please, Cowboys, please take him. And we were right. <laughs> but I think that if... C.D. Lamb had fallen to him, I think there's a good chance they would have taken it. Um, I mean, obviously, that's all just speculation and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I, there was plenty of better options that they could have gone with um, for wide receiver earlier in the draft. And, I mean, <laughs> they, they're they really high on their guys that they have, though, for some reason. Like, Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson too. Like I know a lot of Dolphins fans love that guy for some reason. Some reason. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going back to you're talking about um, CD Lamb and I just it popped in my mind. I was just wait, just wait. The Dolphins the Dolphins assigned Antonio Brown, and uh, it, I don't know. He'll just wreck the Jets somehow. I don't know. 
It might happen. I, I don't know. I don't think he should be signed by anyone, but anyways. Uh, the fantasy impact of the rookies here. So, have Tua, obviously. Also have Malcolm Perry. Those are the only two rookie skill position players available. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Tua, there, I don't think Tua has any value this year. Uh, I don't think he... I don't even know if he'll ever get on the field this year. With Fitzpatrick there as the starter, um, and him coming off his hip injury from last season, obviously everyone in the world in Miami is saying two is fine, two is good. And he did. they did just say he got into the building finally um, mm-hmm. for the doctors to do a full full medical instead of just um, I don't, whatever they do for the physical uh, I just know that they, Ian Rappaport was saying that when they go in for a physical, it's not a full body check. It's just a little thing. I don't know. But they said he's fine. Like you, though, I agree. I don't think uh, he's going to pan out. That's just me, though. And, and you. <laughs> Definitely, though, dynasty pick. I, I would I would take him in dynasty uh, if, you need, if you need a young quarterback or just quarterback depth in general. I know I didn't, because I already have four pretty solid quarterbacks, mm-hmm. if I do say so myself. But, yeah, I got a pretty good quarterback room on my team, too. So. Um, yeah, definitely dynasty pick. And I think next year, though, 2021, he'll be the starter, undoubtedly. Um, anything you want to add on the two of fantasy outlook for uh, well, Malcolm Perry? <laughs> well, like you said, he's most likely not going to play at all this year. Um, I am interested to see what they do, though, with Josh Rosen. Because are they going to keep him as the backup, or are they going to let Tua be the backup? What are they going to do? Well, like, yeah. I was just uh, I was just talking about that here. Um, and I think training camp, they need to look for a partner to trade him. I know that's not in the best interest of the player because mm-hmm. being traded, right yeah um, I mean I don't think that I think his confidence is just so downhill already that I don't think he's ever going to recover because he got a shot to play last year and he didn't do well granted that was behind a really bad offensive line um, yeah on a Dolphins team that was bad so yeah so I don't know. I think, I still think, though, I, I think the best place for Josh Rosen is New England. Um, I just think he's he would fit pretty well in that system. And they have a above-average offensive line. It's not the best, but they do have a uh, pro bowler in Joe Tooney, who's their franchise player this year. So I think that um, that would be the best spot for him. Yeah. Normally, I would say that that would be like a terrible idea or whatever, but the fact that the head coach of the Dolphins, Brian Flores, is a former New England coach, I think, would kind of help that happen. Um, but yeah, going back to Tua, yeah, he's definitely not going to play this year. And Well, I don't want to say definitely because there's always that chance like right. with injuries or whatever else, but I still wouldn't draft him in a normal league. Dynasty, though... Uh, he was a what top five pick, four 
top four pick, something like that in our, that was our league. Auto-draft, though. Yeah, he was auto-drafted, <laughs> but I still think he would have been drafted in the first round of our league. Um, but, um, it, I like you said, I don't believe in him at all. Even next year, if he does start, I'm not... I'm not looking anywhere near him. <laughs> um, um, no. And then, yeah, the <laughs> other guy, Malcolm Perry, he's... I don't even see him playing in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, like I said, converted quarterback, I doubt he makes the roster. There, There's too much competition. Like I said, even though even though the, the Dolphins' depth at wide receiver is mediocre, I mm-hmm. think it's still better than what Malcolm Perry has to offer as a first-year receiver after playing quarterback um, mm-hmm. at Navy. So definitely no value there because, like I, I already said, guys, before, um, Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, Jakeem Grant, and Isaiah Ford, but even behind those guys, the guys that are fighting for the the last, like, maybe one spot, if there's even one spot to fight for, uh, they're still pretty solid um backups in Mac Collins, Ricardo Lewis, and Gary Jennings. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't think Malcolm Perry's even going <laughs> to sniff the roster. I don't even think he's going to get close. He'll probably get cut before final... I th- he'll probably get cut before final cutdowns. I don't see him making it the whole mm-hmm. way to uh, cutdown day. No. Um, the rest of the team, though, Side note, though, just to touch on that, because, um, I don't know, I don't like the fact that there's only one cut-down day now. I liked when it was, like, every week during the preseason, they would have to, like, cut people. But that's just me. <laughs> hey, that makes it better for us, because then we'll have a cut-down day show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rest of the team, though, uh, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick... Average starter. I don't. Uh, I would never go near him in fantasy. But I know people that do like to take him, pick him up, because he'll have the like. Like I have written on the script, man. He will have the Fitz Magic period. It'll, it'll be three or four weeks where he'll just ball out, <laughs> and then the rest of the season is he just goes way downhill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and it's usually always on the first year he's with whatever team it's yeah. on. So, so. I don't know about this year. He might not have much in that. Like, Fitzmagic has. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like, a, he's not on my draft radar. Uh, I would put him somewhere in the mid-20s to start anyways. I think he'll probably stay there. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would not go near him unless you needed, like, an emergency... Your starter goes down, and then your backup is on a bye the next week. It's like you're screwed, and Ryan Patrick's there probably. So, Mm -hmm. Jordan, uh, the the running backs, though, Jordan Howard and Matt Breda both new to the team this year. Breda came over on a trade, and Howard, they signed a free agency. Uh, I don't know. Both are flexed, definitely, I think. Just based off volume of carries that they're going to get. And I don't really see either one of them being like a lead back. I think it's going to be a shared role there. So I think both are, both have RB2 upside, but 
especially with the upgraded offensive line, like talk about Austin Jackson, signed Eric Flowers. I know you guys don't like Eric Flowers. All the guys that were on before, we were talking about Eric Flowers. I kind of like him since he was with the Redskins last year, and he did pretty well at guard instead of tackle. But then it's interesting, though, um, the depth chart right now on ESPN has Robert Hunt at right tackle, which is weird because all of the pre-draft hype I heard, and I don't even think he played tackle at Louisiana Lafayette. I'm pretty sure he's a guard all the way. (laughs) I mean, we've been talking about this plenty of times now that all those, like, depth charts that are out now or whatever, they're all bogus. Like... (laughs) Not wrong, but... uh, I'm just saying what it is right now. Just saying. Uh... But yeah, it's weird that Robert Hunt is at right tackle when he's clearly a, a guard. And I think yeah. he'll actually slide into that right guard spot where Shaq Calhoun is right now. And Jesse Davis will probably start at right tackle for them there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to the, the running backs, though, in fantasy, what do, what do you think about Howard and Breida this year in, in Miami? Um, I mean, kind of exactly what you said. They're both decent running backs, but the fact that they're going to be sharing the carries um, will kind of hurt their fantasy value a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think together the two of them might make like a like a thousand yard running back kind of situation, but I don't think either one of them is going to have like a big standout season. So, like you said, I would have them as like the flex possibly running back too, but I, I think, I don't know, it's kind of hard to say which one I think would have the better season now. Because um, obviously Jordan Howard had those great years in Chicago for a couple of years. Then he went to Philly last year. Was it only last year? No, he was there last two years. Okay, yeah. He didn't get his first year. <laughs> yeah. But then there's Brita who actually has done pretty well in like a committee system when he was out in San Francisco and stuff like that. So... I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell, but I still wouldn't put them past the flex unless you are desperate for a number two running back. Yeah, one last thing on there. I I think that Howard has more value, though, because Breida has injury history. True. That's just um, what I would put out there. Uh, The wide receivers, we said, we talked about them a little bit already. Uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, I think those are the only two guys you can look at. I know you said Dolphins fans love Albert Wilson, so hey, Dolphins fans, if you're in a draft with me, go ahead. Go draft Albert Wilson, please, and thank you. Um, but they, they, Parker and Williams both need to prove that they can have good seasons again, because both did have quality seasons last year, and Parker parlayed that yeah. into a, a long-term deal uh, when he was on the last year of his rookie contract, so I don't know, but I think both, I think both are still wide receiver threes. I don't, with Fitzpatrick, it limits them, I think, except for those three or four weeks where he goes off, but other than that, I don't, uh, wide receiver two upside though for both. I think Williams has the higher ceiling because he was rookie last year and this is second year, so maybe he can have a better year, but all the other ones I don't like. Yeah, I mean, 
again, this could be just biased being a Jets fan or whatever, but I've never really understood the hype about Devontae Parker. Like, I just, I don't think he's that great. He's definitely, in my opinion, not a number one. Like, in a nor- on a normal team, I think he'd be at most a number two, maybe even <laughs> the third guy. Um, but because he is the number one guy there, he will get a large amount of targets. And for that reason, like you said, I think he'll at least make it to the wide receiver three, possibly a wide receiver two. Um, and then Williams, I remember he torched the Jets last year in at least one of those games that he played against them. He was just, like, I was so mad when I was watching that game last year. Like, I couldn't help, but, like, um, but, yeah. So those two guys are good. The one guy I'm kind of surprised kind of, like, disappeared was Alan Hearns because he was a pretty good guy in Jacksonville when he was there with uh, with Allen Robinson and stuff. But now he's on a team that doesn't really have good receivers, and now he's buried in the depth chart. Yeah, I, I just think he hasn't been the same after he got hurt mm. and uh, released from Jacksonville. It's, I don't know. He hasn't been the same player. But the... Talking about tight end here, I mean, it's not that great. Don't get me wrong. I love Penn State players and Mike Jasicki, former Nittany Lion, but, and he had a lot of, I loved him coming out of the draft because Penn State's turning into a pretty good tight end factory with uh, Pat Fryermuth coming out probably next year in the draft as well, and he'll probably be the, be the number one tight end next year. But, I don't know. He, he hasn't been able to live up to his hype. Second round pick a couple of years ago. And I don't know. I don't I don't like him in fantasy right now. I wouldn't even put him as a tight end, too. And, I mean, tight end, though, as we've said before, is a very thin position in fantasy. But, yeah, he's he hasn't really shown up at all. Um, yeah, and... Yeah, I don't think Fitzpatrick really even throws the tight ends that much, so. (laughs) No. Uh, The defense, they signed a boatload of free agents on defense. Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, Manuel Agba, Shaq Lawson. uh, Camu Grugier-Hill got from the Eagles. They also, well, no, they re-signed Adrian Colbert. But I think I got all of them. I don't know. But yeah, anyways. Uh, I don't know. I I have to see it to believe it, though. That's why I'm I'm putting them right in the middle for now. I think their yeah. base that they already had was pretty solid with uh, linebackers Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan in the middle, and then obviously Zayvon Howard is an All-Pro corner. Eric Rose actually turned out to be a pretty good safety, not going to lie. I mean, he sucked at corner for the Eagles, and then he goes to Miami. Actually, no, he went to the Patriots first, won Super Bowl, and then went to Miami. So, I don't know. He, he, but like, like I said, Belichick he, magic. He's actually, he's actually been a pretty good safety, though, in Miami after he switched from corner. And then Bobby McCain is also a pretty good safety there as well. So, I think their safeties were the best thing that they had going into free agency in the draft. And uh, 
their secondary definitely got better with adding Byron Jones. Yeah, it's it's crazy how good their safeties still are, even with them trading away Minka Fitzpatrick, um, which that turned out to be a great trade for him, and I know for you too, being a Steelers fan. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you with the defense as a whole. They, a lot of their guys are towards the tail end of their career now, like the ones that they signed. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be as productive as they used to be, especially those guys that are from New England, like Kyle Van Noy and uh, players like that. But yeah, I think that they're middle of the pack right now, maybe even like 12, 13 range. Because um, I still do think that their special teams has a chance to get them a couple points. So Yeah. Uh, I, I actually don't know why they have Isaiah Ford as the returner right now. I would believe that he would be the kick returner, but I think uh, Jakeem Grant is probably going to be their punt returner, and he's actually one of the better ones in the league. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I know we don't talk about the special teams aspect a lot, <laughs> but you're right. It, it definitely does come into play when you have touchdowns on special teams or mm-hmm. turnovers. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dolphins scheduled, though. So, two divisional games to start the season. At New England, home against the Bills. Then they have a Thursday night game against the Jags in Jacksonville. <laughs> then, I don't know, they're, to start their schedule is just brutal. I mean, when you have I'm two divisional games, that. and then, you know... <laughs> Week four is home against the Seahawks. Then you go to San Francisco after that and to Denver. Then home against the Chargers and the Rams. You get both L.A. teams back-to-back. You got to go to play Kyler Murray in week nine in Arizona. Then home against the Jets in week 10 by week. And they play the Jets again week 12. Two, Two out of three weeks they play the Jets. Second one's in New York. Then uh, they have Cincinnati at home, the Chiefs at home, the Patriots at home. They finish out on the road at the Raiders and at the Bills. Where do you got them? So I'm just looking over the schedule here. It's not pretty. <laughs> I, I don't see them winning a game through the first eight weeks of the season. I think they start off their first half of the schedule 0-8 oh, there. But then it gets a little easier after that because then they travel to Arizona week nine. That's a winnable game, but I don't know if they'll actually be able to win that, so we'll see. I think they'll split with the Jets as much as I'd love to see the Jets sweep them. But the Dolphins and the Jets always play hard against each other, no matter how good the teams are, no matter the record, whatever. So I think that they'll split those games. <clears throat> Cincinnati, I think, I, I think Cincinnati will win, even though it's in Miami. Kansas City, obviously, Kansas City wins that one. Um, the week 15 in New England, or New England game is kind of a toss-up to me, though, because, like, I think that at that point, week 15, majority of the teams know where they're at, mm-hmm. and obviously the Dolphins won't be in it at that point, at least to me. And New England might be right there on the edge of the playoffs, but I still think Miami might be able to sneak that one out. 
and win that one. Um, and then the Raiders, I think that they could win that one too. And Buffalo, depending on the sca- or depending on their status too. Yeah. If Buffalo has the division locked up, then they probably will sit everybody. And then Miami has a better chance of winning now, uh, even though it's in Buffalo. So, I don't know. I think overall, though, maybe 4-12. and 12. <laughs> I don't see them having a great season, even with all those defensive additions. Yeah, I'm in that range, too. I have them 5-11, 2-4 in the division with the splits coming against the Patriots and the Jets. Um, but you're right. The f- 10... The 10 weeks before the bye, I have them going into their week 11 bye at 2-8. and eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the wins coming back-to-back against the Rams at home and then going to Arizona and upsetting the Cardinals. I think that's definitely an upset with uh, the hype surrounding Kyler Murray in his second season mm-hmm. with the Andre Hopkins there. And then the wins down the stretch uh, at the Jets, home against the Bengals, and then, like you said about that New England game week 15, I have them winning that one. Just because, potentially, at, going into the bye at 2-8, and eight, I think there's potential that Tua is in after the bye. Uh, you really don't want to start a rookie in his first game on the road, which we talked about in our pre-draft show. But I think that it, it would have to be done. It, you're in the bye at two and eight. Like, you can't not play him at that point, especially if he's healthy. I would hate if that happens because the Jets never do good against rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> one and two, that's almost cheating because they're playing the Jets back to back weeks. So switching their quarterback is going to throw the Jets game plan off completely. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. All they'd have to do is, uh, well, their their DC's Greg Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. Dude, Greg Williams had a field day. He called blitz every single play. Just like the uh, one defensive coordinator in the um, XFL did. I forget which team it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, literally. I was watching a game in the X- when the XFL was on this spring. And uh, <laughs> you know how they had the coaches mic'd up on the sideline? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep blitzing them until they stop it. <laughs> And that's what they literally did. They called a blitz every single play. And, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad game plan. Especially, I don't know, two is mobile, but who knows where his actual mobility is when a 250-pound linebacker is breathing down his neck. So, uh, yeah. So, the Week 17 at Buffalo, I mean, I don't know. They could, they could eat that one out if the Bills already have the division, which I think they will by that point. Uh, precursor to foreshadowing of, of my selection already, but yeah. 5-11, and 11, though. Bottom of the AFC East once again for the Dolphins. Now we will head on to your J-E-T-S New York, J-E-T-S New York Jets. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, first round, man. I know you were happy with that one. Mackay mm-hmm. Becton, off the tackle out of Louisville. Their left tackle of the future here. Second round, they uh, got Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor, which was a pick that they got when the Seahawks traded up to get Daryl Taylor, their edge rusher. Uh, third round selection, they had two third rounders, three fourth rounders. 
Uh, first third round selection is Aston, Ashton Davis, the safety out of Cal. Um, that was the pick they got in the letter Williams trade last year, which is a great trade for them. Good, yeah. Uh, not so much for the Giants. Edge rusher uh, Jabari Zuniga out of Florida was their second third round selection. Like I said, I have uh, Ja'Kai Polite feelings about Jabari Zuniga. Yeah. Any Florida edge rusher that comes out now, it's like, I don't know. There's character issues at Florida. A lot of stuff going wrong there. Back-to-back Florida picks, though, for them, uh, starting in the fourth round, where they got uh, running back Lamichal Pirine. And then uh, their second fourth rounder was quarterback James Morgan out of FIU. Nice understudy there to Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco. Uh, that was a pick that they got from the Patriots, one of two picks that they got from the Patriots when they traded up to get Dalton Keene, the tight end there. Uh, offensive tackle Cameron Clark from Charlotte was another pick that they got from New England in the Dalton Keene trade-up. <laughs> Fifth round, they got Bryce Hall, the corner out of Virginia, which I thought was great value there. I'll talk about him in a second. And then their last pick was punter Braden Mann out of Texas A&M which was the selection that they got from the Chiefs when they traded Darren Lee to Kansas City last year. Give me your favorite pick, man, for your team. Oh, there's so many good ones here, I think. Um, it really is. <laughs> I mean, I obviously loved the Mackay Beckham pick, but I think that was everybody expected it, at least the position I called who it actually was going to be. Um but I think one guy that at first I wasn't happy about, but the more I've watched tape of him and the more I've like seen what he could do, I think Ashton Davis from California mm-hmm. might be one of the biggest steals of the draft. He had a lot of the experts are saying he had like early second, maybe even late first round potential, and he didn't go until 68 there in the third round. Um, and another part of me, as much as I don't want it to happen, I, I think he's a little bit more of a safety net now if they do get rid of Jamal Adams or um, why did his name all of a sudden just escape? Marcus May? Yes, Marcus May. Thank you. I don't know why. He just, <laughs> I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, the two of them. If one of them leaves, he's a perfect replacement for them. Um he plays the game hard, he's fast, he's strong, he's basically everything you want in a safety. Um, so it was a bit of a surprise that he went in the third round. I was questioning why they picked safety there at first, but again, after reading up on him and watching his tape and everything, I'm glad they went safety there with Ashton Davis. Yeah, I think uh, definitely great pick. Uh, do-it-all guy can play box linebacker in uh, their dime package and also I don't know if he can play in slot but they really don't need him to with Brian Poole being there anyways so um, definitely great Um, we'll be able to learn from Jamal Adams Marcus May but my favorite guy is uh, corner that they got Bryce Hall out of Virginia in the fifth round uh, I thought that was terrific value for him. Uh, the only reason why he slid was he has some off-the-field issues, which, if he can get those cleared up, I think he'll turn out to be a great selection for them. They needed corners. 
as you well know, uh, they were lucky. Uh, they re-signed Brian Poole. Uh, but other than that, they have Arthur Millette. They traded for Quincy Wilson from the Colts, which was they traded their seventh-round pick this year to get him. And then it's Bryce Hall. They have Nate Hairston and uh, Lamar Jackson, who they uh, signed as an undrafted free agent from Nebraska. But, yeah, I think I think Bryce Hall can realistically come in and play for Arthur Millette in the dime package if they don't use Ashton Davis as that um, sixth DB there. But if they use a corner instead of a safety as the sixth DB, I think that Bryce Hall would probably be that guy unless it's Quincy Wilson. But, yeah, Bryce Hall's uh, my favorite pick for the Jets anyways. And I'll let you go. Uh, what was your head scratcher for the Jets draft here? Well, kind of piggybacking off you, the fact that they waited so long to go corner. Corner might be their weakest position on the team, especially with cutting the starters from last year. Both starters from last year aren't there anymore. Not saying that that's much of a loss, but still. Um, I was, I think that they could have gone corner with one of their fourth round picks at least or even their second, third rounder there instead of Jabari Zuniga. Mm-hmm. I think any of those picks between Ashton Davis and Bryce Hall could have been corner. Although, like you said, I do like Bryce Hall, but they are so lacking it in the cornerback position other than Brian Poole. That, uh, yeah, that was my one big like problem with their draft. Yeah, I think if, if they were going to go corner earlier... It would have been the first fourth round selection because I really don't understand why they drafted a running back when they signed Frank Gore. Granted, they signed Frank Gore after the draft, <laughs> but still, you knew he was out there already. Mm-hmm. And they also do have Kenneth Dixon on the roster, which I think is a pretty good third running back um, pass catcher guy. So I just hope that this Michael P. Ryan is better than his what is it his brother. Samaje. Yeah, I just hope he's better than him. That's all I ask. I don't know. But, yeah. My my issue for the Jets were was that they I thought they should have doubled up wide receiver and edge rusher because you already said about the corner issues. But they've had an edge rush issue for the past couple of seasons because Jordan Jenkins hasn't had anybody, hasn't had any help on the opposite side of him. And... Right now, Jabari Zuniga is a starter. The edge depth behind Jordan Jenkins and Jabari Zuniga, Terrell Basham, Frankie Luvu, Harvey Lange, Ahmad Gooden, and Wyatt Ray. So not very <coughs> confidence-inspiring <laughs> names nope. there. Um, nope. And then when you look at the wide receivers, it's the top three, Paraman, Crowder, Mims, and then it's Vincent Smith, Josh Doxson, granted, former first-round pick. Uh, Braxton Berrios, Josh Malone, J.U. Chesson, who they drafted last year. My guy, Lawrence Cager, out of Georgia. Uh, actually, I do believe he has a pretty good shot at making the roster with the limited quality that's in front of him. 
that it's uh, George Campbell, Quincy Anunua, and Josh Bellamy is... I don't even know if Anunua is ever going to play again. Uh, yeah, because... Anunua and Bellamy are already out for the season. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, there's um, less competition for Cage yeah, I mean, anyways, I think but... that there's four locks right now, and then the rest of the wide receivers are kind of whatever. Um, I think that Barrios will make the roster only because of his Return. special teams value. Yeah, he's but everybody returner. else is up in the air. Yeah, he's a punt returner right now, and Vincent Smith is in as the kick returner right now. So if both of them make the roster, then Cager probably doesn't have a shot. But um, I think I think Doxson definitely makes it. Um, and then if you're saying Barrios makes it, then if Barrios and Smith make it and Doxson make it, then that's the that's the six receivers there. Yep, that's the six because um, Cager offer doesn't have any return value or special teams value, except possibly Gunner. But I don't know if he's fast enough to be a Gunner because what what Lawrence I don't know how much you know about Lawrence Cager, but essentially what Lawrence Cager is is a big body receiver that's really good in the red zone and even on sideline throws he can box out the corners the smaller corners and uh that's kind of where he is uh, but lc man i hope you're the best i hope you can make the roster and play on sundays there yeah. uh, but going into the fantasy aspect of the rookies here um i mean give me your thoughts on denzel mims fantasy prospects um i mean Kind of like what I was saying before. Mims, I, I think he'll kind of get lost in the shuffle at the beginning of the season, um, being that they don't really have that much depth as a position. Yes, he's going to come in as like the number two on the outside, but with I think that with Darnold's um, chemistry with with Crowder already, and <clears throat> with the chemistry he has with the tight ends and everything. I don't think that Mims will get the targets at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. um, which I think will obviously impact his fantasy value. Um, so I don't know if I would even look his way in a normal draft, if not maybe take a late-round flyer on him. Um, but I think that there is potential that throughout the season he and Darnold develop a chemistry where Darnold trusts him on a big play or whatever and he'll look in his direction and he'll I think he'll definitely do much better in the second half than he will in the first half um, I think he'll definitely start off as a flex guy but could push his way to a wide receiver too um, and I mean like I said it's all dependent on I think how the rest of the team shapes out um, but I, I think he has a lot of upside and definitely he's worth looking at in a dynasty league maybe not on one of the shorter drafts um, but definitely in our league I, I'm pretty sure he was drafted in our league yeah so. uh, he was I agree um, immediate starter he'll be in their normal set with Perriman on the other side and then three wide receivers sets. Uh, Crowder will come in in the slot. 
but I think right now he's a flex. Um, and like you said, when he gets later in the season, if he shows a strong connection with Darnold there, I think he could definitely become that wide receiver too, like you were saying. Definitely dynasty edition, like you said. Um, Mid-rounds, I was saying about uh, most dynasty drafts are three rounds. Ours was five. But um, third round, definitely, if you, if you want to take him and not have the risk of not getting him on waivers, post-draft waivers there. Um, let Michael P. Ryan, though, saying about the running back depth chart earlier, uh, you have Le'Veon Bell, Frank Gore, Kenneth Dixon, and then P. Ryan. I just don't see any way that he's going to have value this year and maybe not ever. Um, obviously, Gore's not going to be there for a while, but uh, Dixon could be the backup to Le'Veon for the next couple of seasons. And I don't know. There is some dynasty value, but I wouldn't draft him. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, in a regular league, he's not even on the radar. But I do think, like you were saying, I think there's definitely dynasty value, um, especially with Gore not being there past this season, probably. Um, And, I mean... We'll have to see where he ends up on the depth chart this year. Because if Dixon goes ahead of him, then what I'm about to say is like irrelevant or whatever. But what I'm saying is if he makes it as the third running back this year. Because um, then next year, he will slot in as the number two behind Le'Veon. And if I, I, I kind of hope that the whole drama between Le'Veon and Adam Gase is over with. So, because otherwise there's still that chance that Le'Veon will get traded, but I don't think anybody wants that contract. Nope. <laughs> so, I don't know. There is a there is a path for him to make it at, on the Jets or whatever, but it's a very, very situational and very specific path for him to go down to make an impact on the team. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to James Morgan. The last skill position player here. That'd be <laughs> nothing there. <laughs> he's gonna. He's not even guaranteed a spot. Um, with David Fails being there as the QB three, if they even keep three quarterbacks, do you think they're gonna keep three this year or not? I mean, I think they will, but I think it's more likely to be James Morgan than it is David Fails. Um, only because Fails is gotten his opportunity and shown what he can't do <laughs> and so but yet they resigned think, him <laughs> well that was because they didn't really have any other options at the at that point but now that they have um flacco and now that they drafted morgan i think that fails the eye guy out and i think they keep three because of flacco's um injury that he just got over or is getting over still um i think they keep three because of that and i but i still don't think that james morgan will see the field anytime soon if ever with the jets so i don't see any value in him and 
I remember when I saw his name pop up, I was kind of confused and kind of annoyed because, again, I didn't think that quarterback was a big need for them because they could have gotten Joe Flacco. Like, I, I was setting out the whole offseason. I was like, go get Flacco as the back. They finally did, but that was after the draft when they drafted James Morgan. But also they drafted him when guys like um, – I think Eason was still on the board at that point, and Jacob Fromm, or Jake Fromm. Yep. They were both still on the board when they picked him, so I was really confused why they went with James Morgan over those other two guys. Well, James Morgan was um, touted as the kind of Brett Favre guy in this draft class because that's that's kind of what he was going throughout the draft press, uh, draft process. He was... A, he's a gunslinger, um, which can be good, can be bad. Um, and although Florida International isn't the greatest place to show your talents as a quarterback, I mean, I didn't really watch him too too much, but he's he's got a he's got a pretty good arm. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I saw some of his deep throws and they they were solid. But yeah, you're right. I mean. I'm not sure he does make the roster. I, just because, I don't know. Adam Gase loves David Fails, man. He had him in Miami and he brought him to New York. And I know. <laughs> can't get enough of David Fails. <laughs> but I they, just hope in, in any situation, I hope that we don't have to see either one of them on the field. So, But I think I think they're thinking of drafting Morgan, in, especially in the fourth round, which I thought was a pretty good spot for him. Um, it was the same thing when the Eagles draft the Jalen Hurts in the second round, they they want young quarterbacks and they want to develop young quarterbacks. And then if they have to play, they'll be ready. But if they don't, they'll be able to get a draft pick for them um, in a couple years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what the thinking was there anyways. That's what my GM persona would say. And my papers are flying all over because I'm outside today. We're on location today. Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, and yeah, one side note before we get into the rest of the team fantasy. I was so mad. I told you this pre-show. So mad. Uh, as you can see, I'm wearing a not even Penn State jersey. I thought it was a Penn State jersey. It's black, though. So it's definitely not a Penn State jersey. It's signed by two people that I think are Penn State players, but could be wrong i had this jersey for a while mid to late 2000s i don't even know in my closet but yeah i'm so mad I'm supposed to have a jets tim tebow jersey on today forgot it in georgia so we'll have to see that tebow jersey sometime in the future i mean i kind of prefer the one you got now over jets tebow jersey to be honest so <laughs> uh the rest of the team fantasy wise here uh, take it away, Chris. Tell me about Darnold, year three. This is a make-or-break season for him, for sure. Um, unfortunately, they have the second-hardest schedule in the league, but um, I don't actually think it'll be as hard as it was predicted or whatever because of, like, I never really liked that, but I also do at the same time because it's kind of a good... Um, predictor or whatever but it's again also not I'm looking mainly at like the Patriots 
right now because they play them twice. So that was a major factor, but now Tom Brady's gone in the stuff. But anyway, getting back to Darnold. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that with the upgraded offensive line and a decent core of receivers now, I think that this is the year he'll take that next step um, and actually be a productive quarterback. And like I think that this season might be the best of his career, which... I mean, he hasn't had bad seasons, but he hasn't also he also hasn't had great seasons either. So I think he'll get the best numbers he's had in all like the major categories. Um, and I think he'll I don't think he'll crack the top ten, but he'll be probably like twelve to fifteen range. Um, and <clears throat> I think it also depends on the next guy that we'll talk about too, with how well Bell does behind that new offensive line yeah talking about bad seasons uh last year wasn't pretty chris (laughs) with everything that happened with him um as well as the ghost game quarterbacks in the like last four games of the season well he also did have the ghost game last year which i thought was kind of funny (laughs) i know i know you're probably really mad at that game but you can't say that when you're mic'd up, man. You can't. Like... <laughs> but yeah, I I do I do like Darnold this year. I think he's top twelve quarterback, so definite QB one uh, in a normal twelve man uh, league. There, improved offensive line play and supporting cast with the addition of Denzel Mims and Frank Gore as a change of pace back. Uh, as well as the development of Ryan Griffin at tight end, I think he'll definitely have an uptick in production in, in his third year there. And when you talk about Le'Veon Bell, I don't know. I, he needs a bounce-back season this year. Uh, wasn't great last year. Obviously, his career last year. Obviously, the quarterback situation played into that factor. But uh, I'll start him right now. I mean, it's a low-end RB1. I think he's still a... I, I do think he's still a starter in fantasy. Um, not going to go as high as he was last year. I know I drafted him in a league last year. Uh, seventh overall, I think. He was like the third or fourth running back off the board. Mm-hmm. I think this year, though, you can get him in second round. Uh, and if you're really lucky in third round, I have here on the script round four at the latest. I don't know if he lasts that long, but who knows? I think someone's going to take him just based off name if they're going to take him really high. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have him in our Dynasty League, and I picked him, I think it was like fourth or fifth overall. That was the year that he did the holdout, though. Yeah. (laughs) So he didn't help me whatsoever that year. But then, yeah, he... uh, he was definitely he was in my lineup every week last year though even though he wasn't having the best season um and yeah like you said he's definitely still a starter definitely a running back one still but um that could change depending on how the season goes because I could also see again I keep going back to Adam Gaze but there's something there that Adam Gase does not like him for some reason. 
and I could see Gase spiting him by going with Gore in situations where Le'Veon should come in or going with Piran even when Le'Veon should be coming in. So I think that's also a big factor in his lack of production too is that he wasn't used correctly last year. Um, but I think that Mekhi Becton and the rest of the upgraded offensive line will definitely help him. Uh, I think he'll definitely get a 1,000 total yards between receiving and rushing, but I don't know if he'll get a 1,000 in one category. Yeah, I think I think the uh, Adam Gase-Le'Veon Bell feud is, was more Mike McCagnan's fault because Gase didn't want to sign him and McCagnan was the GM, so he's like, I'm, I'm going to sign whoever I want to sign. You're going to like it. <laughs> so, I don't know. But... Yeah, the the wide receivers though, the other wide receivers other than the Denzel Mims, the veterans, um, Perriman and Crowder, top two there. I don't Perriman. I don't know. He has to prove that he can go again. And he was great last year down the stretch for Tampa. Uh, I don't know if the thing is, I don't think the Jets offense I don't think he's going to like it as much as the Tampa offense because the Bruce Arians offense in Tampa is more downfield throws mm-hmm. where the Jets are more west coast isn't it? Short dink it, and dunk I mean yeah this this team I don't even know, like, know exactly but normally the Jets are a run first like ground and pound type team but I think now they're more of like the short pass like yeah, that's why they like Crowder so much, and that's why they like the tight end a lot. Yeah, so that's why that's why I'm not sure what Perriman's ceiling is going to be in this offense, and I'm and also uh, Sam Darnold doesn't have the arm that Jameis Winston did, um, so I'm not sure if Darnold is going to be able to get it there, like 60 yards down the field, like Jameis Winston can. No, probably not 60. I mean, essentially, Perriman is the replacement for Robbie Anderson. Right. And, I mean, Darnold actually did overthrow Anderson more times than he underthrew him. But that was also partially Anderson not giving his all, like, giving the effort, giving up on the play or whatever. But, I don't know. I, I do agree with you, though. I think that Perriman won't have the kind of season he did last year with Winston um, be, for a lot of reasons though, kind of like all the things you said the style of play that the Jets do isn't the same as that and Darnold doesn't throw down the field that far mm-hmm. so yeah that's why I also think that out of all the wide receivers uh, Crowder is definitely the best one to go for in a in fantasy because he was definitely Darnold's go-to last year. So they developed the chemistry last year. And I just think that he will improve on what they did last year. I think that he'll be a solid wide receiver, too, in a fantasy league. I can't give him wide receiver, too, for Crowder, man. I had Crowder last year, and, oh, my God, it was just... He let me down so many times. Like... I cannot trust Jameson Crowder in fantasy anymore. Um, I, I mean, I yeah. Him 
you once and then you traded him back to me or something like that. <laughs> something like that happened. Yeah, both. Uh, but both, I think, are at worst flex. Uh, I I disagree that I think Perriman does have the better upside as a wide receiver too um, than Crowder does. But there's also like we talked about, Mims is in that conversation as well. So um, I don't know. Talk about the tight ends though, because I know you love the tight ends. You, you're, you're not. I'm not as high on them as you are. But yeah, I mean. Uh... Ryan Griffin had a great season last year before he got hurt and all that. And that's why he got that extension in the middle of the season for three years or whatever it was. And uh, so I think if he can continue that and stay on the field and all that, I think he'll be a great target and a great red zone target for Darnold. Um, I mean, I know that his like last year was Griffin's best season probably by far because he was never really used in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he can still be like that productive tight end. And also, if if um, Chris Herndon can stay on the field too, I think they'll be a great tight end duo in the middle of the field for Darnold. And like we were saying before, that's kind of like their style of play right now is the short passes, like the dink and dunks or whatever. So I think that the tight ends will be heavily involved um, in the offense. But if they, that's the other thing though, is that if they're both involved, then that brings down the production for both of them. So it's kind of like they are going to be productive, but at the same time, not fantasy productive. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I, they neither of them excite me uh, in fantasy. Uh, I do have to give it to Ryan Griffin though. I think at worst he's a tight end two. But I think he could be uh, a starting tight end um, if you need him. And I think in I think, a 12-person league, he definitely is a starting tight end. Yeah, probably. Uh, looking at the defense here, I think it does look better. Um, I know you said about how they released some corners and... I am unsure about the corner and edge, edge positions, but um, I'll put them in the 15 to 20 range right now. Uh, I don't know if they'll ever leave that range during the season, but, but yeah, that's just me. Uh, I mean, I they were bad last year. Like, we could just say that. But they got rid of the cornerbacks, like you said. And they got new ones, and they kept the ones that were good, like Brian Poole. Um, they still have Adams right now. Right now. <laughs> and they still have Marcus May. But the I think the big additions are actually the guys that were on the team last year but didn't play. The two linebackers, C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. That was a big hit for them last year when both of those guys went down Avery Williamson tore his ACL or whatever it was in the <clears throat> preseason. And then C.J. Mosley went down in the first quarter of the first game and never really recovered from it. So the fact that they're going to have those two guys back in the middle of that defense in the linebackers, I think will be a big boost for them. And it'll kind of mask the fact that they don't really have 
good edge rusher. Um, and I think that Quinn and Williams will also take a step up this year. Mm. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think those will be the mid-teens, like 14 to 16 range. Yeah, I, I would not have them on my roster, most likely. Uh, none of the – actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Dolphins, Jets, defenses, eh. Patriots, Bills, yes. <laughs> we'll talk about them, though, here in a couple minutes. Uh, the Jets' schedule here at Buffalo, uh, the, again, all of the AFC is, is going to be tough this year because they play both West divisions, which mm-hmm. are really good, <laughs> especially with uh, the Raiders and Broncos on the come-up as well as the Cardinals on the come-up in the NFC West. Uh, it, it's going to be really tough for the AFC, all four of the AFC East teams this year. But, yeah, at Buffalo week one, then they host San Francisco. They go to Indy week three, have a Thursday night game uh, in New York against the Broncos on week four. Then they stay home for the Cardinals. They go to L.A. to play the Chargers, home against the Bills, at the Chiefs, at the Dolphins. By week, week 11, uh, they have the same schedule as the Dolphins there where they play each other two out of three weeks. Home against the Dolphins week 12, home against the Raiders, at the Seahawks and Rams. And then they finish off at home against the Browns and at the Patriots. So what is your record prediction for your J-E-T-S Jets? So I was just looking it over, and <clears throat> I'll start by saying I think they split all three division uh, things. So there will be three and three there. But then, so yeah, I, I think they go to Buffalo and win week one, surprising a lot of people. No chance. But then they lose San Francisco, lose in Indy. I think they beat Denver, beat Arizona, lose to the Chargers, lose to Buffalo in week seven, lose to Kansas City. And then, again, I said that they're going to split with New England, but I'm not sure which one they're going to win and which one they're going to lose there. Um, I think they're more likely to win the one in week nine, but we'll see. And then they split the games with Miami. They beat the Raiders. They lose to Seattle, beat the Rams, and beat Cleveland. So I think overall that would be either 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. But I still don't think that's enough for them to make it to playoffs. But if they were to get 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, I think that's a great accomplishment for them this year because of how hard their schedule is and how, like, how a lot of people have them as a pretty bad team this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. Uh, I Like I said, I do like the team. Don't get me wrong. I do like what they have, especially um, in Sam Darnold. I, I didn't like Sam Darnold coming out of the draft, um, but I think he's proven that he's, he's pretty solid. Um, yeah, I have them six and ten, two and four in the division. Splits with Miami and New England. Um, I just, like I said, playing both Western divisions this year is tough. 
and their wins, though, home against the Cardinals week five. So they start off 0-4. Um, and then they, they win week six as well in L.A. against the Chargers. They beat the Patriots at home on Monday Night Football in week nine. And then they beat, they go down to Miami and beat them right before their bye week. But they lose to Miami coming out of the bye week at home. And then uh, they beat the Raiders at home. They go to L.A. So they're 2-0 and in L.A. for me this year, beating both the Chargers and the Rams out there. Uh, and then, yeah, losing against Cleveland and New England in week 16 and 17. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. The, the New England games can go either way so could the Miami games I just don't see like I think there's guaranteed I mean they could split with the Bills don't get me wrong they could uh, I just don't I like the Bills a lot so I don't think that they will but I think the guaranteed losses though they have probably at least five guaranteed losses Seattle, San Francisco, Indy, one of the Buffalo games at least, and then Kansas City. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that. And if I wanted to make a sixth guaranteed loss, you probably know who it would be, mm-hmm. and it is the locked-in Broncos with Mr. Locke under center. <laughs> that would be the sixth guaranteed loss that I would see on their schedule. Especially on a Thursday night game. Granted, it's in New York, but I love Drew Locke, and he needs to come on our show. So <laughs> I know he's not watching, but he should. Whoever your agent is, whoever your agent is, Drew, get him, get him in contact with us. We'll we'll have you on. <laughs> uh, we'll go on to. The team you hate the most, and I hate the second most <laughs> out of all 32 teams in the NFL, New England Patriots. Um, yeah, they didn't have a first-round pick uh, because they traded back with the Chargers when they went up to get linebacker Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. So their first pick came in the second round, which they didn't have a second-round pick before that. Uh, I can't remember where that second-round pick went. But, uh, regardless, Kyle Duggar, the safety out of Lenore Ryan, was their first selection. Uh, D3 guy. And then, but after that, they had a million picks in the in the mid-rounds. Uh, four third-round picks, three sixth-round picks, uh, sprinkled in with a fifth and a seventh. But, First third round pick, they went back to back edge rushers, back to back tight ends in the third round. First edge rusher was Josh Uche out of Michigan. Um, that was a they traded up with the Ravens to get him. Then they came back 17 picks later to get edge rusher Anthony Jennings out of Alabama. Then they traded up twice in the late third round. 91st, they went up to get tight end Devin of CSC from UCLA. They traded up with the Raiders there, and then they traded up with the Jets um, to go get another tight end, Dalton Keene, out of Virginia Tech. 
Their fifth round selection was a kicker, Justin Rohrwasser, uh, out of Marshall. And that was one of the picks that they got back when they traded up with the Raiders to get Devin a CSC. Uh, three sixth round picks, Michael Onwenu, a guard from Michigan. They Ooh. traded up again to get him with the Colts. Uh, a lot of trading up for the Patriots this year. It was weird. Uh, usually they're trading back. They traded up a lot this year, though. Uh, they went back-to-back guards, though. Justin Heron out of Wake Forest, which was a pick that they got from the Texans when uh, they traded a Keon Cross into them. Their last sixth-round pick was linebacker Cash Maluia from Wyoming. And then their final pick in the draft, seventh-rounder center Dustin Woodard from Memphis. Um, and they got that selection from the Falcons when in the Jordan Richards trade there. So my favorite pick um, was their second selection, Josh Uche out of Michigan. Uh, he's going to be back with his former Michigan teammate, Chase Winovich, on the edge in their 3-4 base. And I'm not sure. he Right now he's not a starter on their depth chart. John Simons, the other outside linebacker, but I think Josh Uche might, might actually get it. Even with the limited offseason, I think defense is a lot easier to develop with limited reps than it is offense. So um, potentially you could have an all-Michigan outside linebacking core for uh, the Patriots starting week one with Josh Uche. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to look at their drafts and pick a favorite here. Um, but... I know a, a guy that we talked about a lot pre-draft, and I know you were high on, was their first pick in Kyle Duggar. Um, he's from a smaller school in Lenore Ryan, but he has all the all the tools that an NFL safety needs. And I think that the fact that he's on a Belichick team um, – and surrounded by, like, the McCourty brothers and guys like that in that secondary. I think he'll fit in just fine in that secondary, and he'll be the next great Patriots to torture the Jets for years to come. Yeah, I think the only thing with the Duggar pick is, like, why? Why do they need to draft the safety first? Because they have McCourty, they have Chung, they have Adrian Phillips, who they signed... Um. So there's their top three. McCourty's on his way out though after this year probably. Right. Or yeah. Older so. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean it's it's always that thing like if like if you if a guy that you really want is there go get him it doesn't matter where you're picking. Right. <clears throat> so um, Belichick might have just seen him and been like that's my guy like that's the guy I wanted this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> The the head scratcher for me, dude. I was I was hard pressed to find a head scratcher for uh, the Patriots because I thought their draft um, filled all of their needs, and especially when they doubled up at three different positions. Um, and when I looked at their roster, it it's hard to find a a bad spot. Especially, I mean, I would I was gonna say wide receiver. But they have two guys who are young 
in Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers that are still developing. So I think that threw wide receiver out for me. So I went with uh, <laughs> the kicker, Justin Rohrwasser out of Marshall. Uh, this is going to be the last – actually, no, I'm not going to say that because it's not going to be the last time I say it. <laughs> Again, there is a kicker that went to the University of Georgia and – I thought he was the best kicker in the country. Um, his name is Rodrigo Blankenship. And I thought he deserved to be drafted. And he wasn't. He went undrafted. Signed with the LA Rams and will compete for that kicker spot out there. But, yeah. I don't... Obviously, they needed a kicker. They released Steven Goskowski for whatever reason. I really don't know why they did that, but um, and he's the only one on the roster now, so he automatically wins the job. Unless they like somehow find another one in training camp, but um, now, for my head scratcher, to me, it was the fact that they didn't go with a quarterback. I'm not saying Brady's replacement or whatever, because mm-hmm. I don't know if that was in this draft class <clears throat> in the later rounds or whatever. But I I don't believe in Jared Siddham and I definitely don't believe in in uh, <laughs> Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah, Brian Hoyer. Because this is his like third time with the team or whatever and he's been on like five other teams. Like yeah, he's a journeyman like he's the definition of journeyman. But yeah, I they don't have the future of that franchise in that quarterback room right now in my opinion and I think that there was quarterbacks there that were at least better than the guys that got in there right now notably um, Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason like those two guys I keep going back to because they were pretty good for being drafted where they were Um, I know you would agree with Jake Fromm especially yeah I thought he was uh, I thought he was a perfect Bill Belichick quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went to the uh, last team that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that was my biggest head scratch that they didn't even address that position at all. Yeah, I was thinking about putting that as mine, but I thought I'd let it slide. But uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> the fantasy outlook for the rookies here: there's only three. Uh, the two tight ends, Devin CSC and Dalton Keene. And then we'll talk about the kicker. Justin Rohrwasser is fantasy out, impact. Um, but I think it's it is, it's going to be hard to select either Devin CSC or Dalton Keene in a regular league and even in the dynasty draft because when you draft two guys at the same position and you don't know which guy's going to win – that spot um especially since they're not even they're not even fighting for the starting tight end spot right now mm-hmm. uh they're fighting for the the tight end two position because matt lacoste is the incumbent starter and i think he will start the season as the as the starting tight end i don't i don't foresee either of a csc and keen i don't i don't think either of those guys is going to start at tight end for them in in week one but um i think by mid-season though 
whichever guy wins the spot could ascend to that tight end one position on the roster. And then by that point, he could have some value as a tight end two in an offense that likes to likes to throw to tight ends and running backs. Yeah, um, I agree with you with the tight ends. Like, they are very situational because that they they're both in the same draft class and both like they're like you said they're not even fighting for the number one spot right now. So, a lot of those factors, I would stay away from both of them in a regular league. And even if even the dynasty for right now, I'd. I'd pin them both as like late season acquisitions. <clears throat> like, wait until they develop later in the season, and if they are getting targets or whatever, then take the flyer on them from from a free agent uh, pool or whatever. But yeah, don't draft them. Yeah, uh, looking at Justin Rohrwasser here, I have an exclamation point on the script. Uh, Beware of rookie kickers because they usually don't do very well. Uh, in recent memory, I mean, you had Roberto Aguayo. Uh, I'm trying to think, actually, who other. There's a success story in Jake Elliott with the Eagles, obviously. But <laughs> Roberto Aguayo, anyways, <laughs> the Bucks. Granted, Warwasser was not a second Curry round Parker, pick, but he wasn't. He, he, he was a fifth round pick, not a second round pick like like Aguayo was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just I don't like rookie kickers, and there's so many better kickers, veteran kickers that you can get. I know a lot of people have devalued the kicker position in fantasy, and have I know a lot of people that have started running leagues without the kicker position because they don't like it, but. I, I kind of still like the kicker position, um, but low value in regular leagues. I think uh, if you need a spot starter for when the bye weeks come around, I think uh, he could do a, maybe an admiral job. I mean, like I said, it's just unknown with a rookie kicker. You don't know unless you really dive deep and look at his statistics at Marshall which I haven't <laughs> because I really don't care because I'm not going to draft him in fantasy so or even pick him up in free agency so yeah I don't know I would not yeah. touch him at all yeah I was going to say I think one of the one of the other reasons too is that he's on the Patriots who in my opinion I don't think they're going to score a ton of points this year I think they're going to more rely on their defense to keep them in low scoring games so, for that factor, too, I think that he won't get as many opportunities as they would have in past years. Because I don't think that offense is as good as it has been. Well, if they're not scoring a ton of points, though, and they're getting in range, he would have he would have more value in your, in your scenario, though. Kicking field like, goals versus extra points. <laughs> I think they'll score more times than they won't, though, like when they get close. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he'll get the opportunity to kick, like, a 40 or 50-yard field goal that often. Yeah, he's going to come out week one against Miami and kick the game-winning 50-yard field goal. Uh, or he'll have the performance, like, uh, <laughs> what's his name, did last year and kicked six field goals in the game for Miami. I don't remember. Do not remember that. It was a game against the Jets. Miami kicked six field goals, and that was their only points of the game. It was 18 points. 
I, it's somewhat coming back to me, but not really. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, let's look at the uh, rest of the team here, fantasy-wise. Uh, obviously, you already said you're a little bit about your thoughts on the quarterback situation. I'll voice my opinion now. I don't like Hoyer. <laughs> the offense is going to be very limited. Uh, he's a game manager style quarterback. I know a lot of people don't like to use that term anymore, but that's almost exactly what Brian Hoyer brings to you. He brings you the... Um, he's not going to turn the ball over very often, uh, except when he did. Actually, no, that wasn't him. That was Brissett. I think it was Brissett last year when Mika Fitzpatrick picked six of them, 96 yards in, in Pittsburgh when they when the Colts played the Steelers yeah. last year. Uh, I believe that was Brissett. It might have been Hoyer, though, because I think Brissett got hurt that game, and I think Hoyer was the one that threw that ball. But anyways, uh, if Stidham is the starter, though, which I think he will be, uh, I think the offense has a very much higher ceiling. And I think both are mid-tier starters, though. Stidham, pick him up in Dynasty, though. He's going to start the next couple seasons, regardless of whether they draft a quarterback, because I don't think they're going to be, with Bill Belichick as the head coach, I don't think they're ever going to be so terrible that they're in position to draft one of the top three quarterbacks in a draft. So I think Stidham will be the starting quarterback for at least the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. Unless a, like a good veteran comes along. Yeah. And then... But they don't sign but... any big-name agents anyway, so... Uh, but do you have any... Do you want to expand on your previous comments about the quarterbacks? Well, I mean, like I said... I don't. I don't believe in uh, Stidham at all. Uh, like the one game he did play last year was against the Jets, and he was in for not even like a full drive. Basically, like he came in and threw a pick six to Jamal Adams, and then Brady was like, "Nope, you're out. I'm coming back in." So, yeah, I. I don't think he's the answer, and like I don't know. I, Hoyer too like I said there's a reason he's been on the team three times and he's been on multiple other teams yeah. like he's he's definitely not the answer so yeah. I wouldn't pick either one especially also like not to just knock on the quarterbacks but their offense as a whole I think isn't that great because mm-hmm. they're lacking in other areas too yeah, just uh, before we get into the running backs for the Patriots here, uh, a little breaking news segment. Um, the NCAA Council announced its approval for a six-week calendar to start sports activities in mid-July. So that means college football will start on time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the... We need something around here. Huh? We need something. <laughs> something needs to start. Hey, the SEC already had its people and its coaches, everyone, back in facilities already since, like, June 8th. So, granted, 
Alabama, though, did have multiple cases of COVID-19 positive tests in their players. So that's something to watch. I surprise. But also, I forgot, actually, during our NFL news segment that just talking about that, Ezekiel Elliott did test positive for coronavirus as well as a couple other Cowboys players and multiple Texans players as well. Oh, so, yeah, Dak Prescott had a huge party. Um, Zeke Elliott was there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the running backs for the Patriots, I don't like them. I never liked Patriots running backs, man. Um, Michelle is the quote-unquote lead back. But <laughs> Bill Belichick has ran a committee approach to the running back situation. Uh, I would probably say the last true starting running back for the Patriots was Kevin Falk. Or would you go all the way back to Corey Dillon? I mean, I don't know. Falk might have been, like, he had enough, like, production and carries and all that. Yeah. So he could be classified as, like, the true starter, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they drafted Michelle in the first round, so I'm not really sure why he hasn't been the uh, the actual running back one to get the load and the majority of the carries, but they just they haven't used him like that, and I really don't know why uh, when I don't like their other backs. Rex Burkhead and, uh, I mean, they drafted Damian Harris last year. They also have James White, but I'm not counting White in this conversation because – He's their pass catching guy. Um, he's all right as a runner, but he he's more of the PPR pass catching guy. Which that's why I like James White. Actually, uh, I would stay away from any of the Patriots running backs. But I mean, you can do like uh, my one fraternity brother does. Um, shout out to Nick Russo. I've talked about this multiple times with him before. Um, he he tries to collect like at least two Patriots running backs. So if you can get Sonny Michelle and James White together, start them both, uh, mm-hmm. that would actually be an adequate fantasy play in my in my book. Mm-hmm. I think both are uh, RB2s, though. Yeah. Um, now, coming from experience, though, I had Michelle, I think it was his rookie year, and he actually did pretty well for me even with being in the committee and stuff um i think he had a serviceable amount of production and all that so yeah i would definitely draft him but only as like you said either running back two or even flex if you could get it that way um he was probably best in the flex Mm -hmm. but chances are you won't have the running backs or like the depth at running back to have him at flex Unless they're people like you who like just draft like five running backs in a row. <laughs> but I think that um, with having a new quarterback this year, I think they're going to rely more on the running game. Um, I mean, they kind of had to last year with Brady's arm falling off and <laughs> having little to no wide receiver production outside of Julian Edelman. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Speaking of the wide receivers, though, I think uh, 
Julian Edelman's still a wide receiver one. He's just going to keep trucking along as a uh, starting wide receiver in fantasy football. Uh, I He's lower, though, than normal. Without Brady and that chemistry, it's kind of the same thing I, I have with James White is they have to get that chemistry back with one of the whoever starts in order to have the same kind of fancy production. Um, none of the other receivers excite me, though. Uh, I really never liked Mohamed Sanu, even when he was with the Falcons. Uh, I That was a bad trade, in my opinion, for the Patriots. I'm fine. Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, I mean, they definitely... Those two definitely dynasty value. Uh, obviously, they're already on rosters at this point, um, being their rookie years were last year. But I think there's one guy also that needs mentioning is Marquise Lee. His first year in New England, he's he's a wild card. I, I don't know how much he has coming off of multiple ACL injuries the past three years. So... Uh, what are your thoughts on the wide receiver position in New England? Well, I'm not really high on any of them, to be honest. Um, like, especially the Marquise Lee thing. Yeah, he is a wild card, but I'd be more scared of it if it was Tom Brady still throwing him the ball. Like I said, a lot of this goes back to the quarterbacks that they have right now. I don't care who's the coach. Those two quarterbacks are, like, pretty much on any other team, neither one would be the starter. Um. So, yeah, I don't really like any of them. Even Edelman, even though he's like the clear number one guy, I just don't think he'll have the production that he did with Brady. Um. And like, I think that again, Brady leaving is going to make a big impact on him specifically. Uh, <clears throat> um. But. The one guy I am kind of interested to see, though, is Nikhil Harry, because I remember when he was drafted last year, I was upset about that, because I thought he was going to be, like, the next great receiver. Of course, he didn't really do much last year, but I still think he has that potential and that upside to be, like, the next great New England receiver. Um, But, again, with the quarterback situation the way it is, I don't really like any of these wide receivers. Edelman's the only one who I would actually go after. And I, I don't see him as a wide receiver one, though. I see him as maybe a, a mid to top tier two. Well, if you don't like any of the receivers, what are your thoughts on Matt Lacoste as the week one starting tight end right now? Again, same kind of situation as the receivers. I mean, who is there? Was he their starter last year? Or who was it last year? Yeah, I believe he was. Wasn't Ben Watson also on the team? Or was that two years ago? Yeah, but Ben Watson had uh, 17 receptions last year. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, yeah. They, tight end to me also, even though in past years they've been like the top team for a tight end. I don't see it being that way this year. I wouldn't even look in his direction. You know, I think with the the drafting of the two tight ends, uh, I already said that, but Lacoste is going to start the year as tight end one. I think midseason he'll be a backup. Um, But I think with both of those 
rookie tight ends, it would be very intriguing to me if they came out and ran the old Patriots offense. Two tight ends set, 12 personnel, and that's how they run it with the rookies running the tight end spots. Uh, I don't think that would be in their best interest because I think their receivers, their starting receivers anyways, are better than the rookie tight ends. But uh, just a thought to throw out there. But yeah, Matt Lacoste, not on fantasy radar. Not even tight end two. I wouldn't draft him at all. Yep. Their defense, though. Um, man, they had a what a defense last year. Uh, historic year uh, in real life and in fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily look up the historical statistics, but I believe that they probably had a top three fantasy season as it comes to when it comes to defenses. I know in um, DVOA wise, when you look at uh, Pro Football Focus's DVOA statistic, um, they were better than the 85 Bears and the 2000 Ravens. So that tells you something there, how good they were, especially in real life. Uh, They did lose quite a few guys, uh, most notably Kyle Van Noy. Um, And I I don't know why I can't remember any of the other guys that they really lost. Uh, I just can't for some reason. I know they lost a couple. They lost at least two guys to Miami. They lost another guy to Detroit, I believe. And they might have even lost another guy to Tennessee. Who knows? Uh, But I think their weak spot is edge rusher. Um, Granted, like I said, I think Josh Uche is going to slide in and make that an all-Michigan outside linebacker position and pass rush there. Uh, But I would still put them in the top ten. I think their defense is that good that they'll still be a draftable unit. Yeah, um, yeah. as long as Belichick is the coach there, I think that that defense will be always at the top of the list. Um, but I do think that the the losses, though, will impact them a little bit, but not drastically. Like, they won't drop, like, ten spots or whatever. They might drop, like, one or two spots from, <clears throat> like, or maybe not one or two because they were the best defense, like, ever last year but like i they they still be like a i think a top like six or seven yeah uh i would have actually i just thought of it in my head when you're talking about them being the best defense ever when you go back to the playoff game against tennessee it it never would have went over uh, really well PR wise but just thinking in my head what would their prospects have been of winning that game mm-hmm. had they put Jarrett Stidham in for Tom Brady <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just, I know it would have been a PR nightmare 
and but he was already leaving. He was already gonna leave New England anyway, so I don't think uh, it would have impacted that. Uh, I mean, it would have been a much worse departure, but at the same time, I, I don't know. That that was just. I mean, a thought I had. I mean, it, it would have almost been like it was coming full circle though, because that's what he did <laughs> technically. Well, he, Drew Bledsoe got Drew knocked Blitzko. out by the Jets, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, NFL, for the Jets making Tom Brady's career. <laughs> uh, looking at the Patriots schedule here, uh, Miami at home week one, then they go to Seattle to play a Sunday night game there, home against the Raiders, and then at the Chiefs, home against the Broncos, bye week early at week six. Then, then they have to face the Niners coming out of that. They go to Buffalo, to the Jets, on a Monday night game week nine. They go back-to-back primetime, except they're at home against the Ravens on Sunday night in week 10. Go to Houston week 11, home against the Cardinals week 12, at the Chargers week 13. Actually, they go three straight away games at the Chargers, at the Rams for a Thursday nighter, and then at the Miami, at the Dolphins, um, and then home against the Bills on a Monday night game week 16, and then home against the Jets to finish it out. I think that week 13, 14, I think especially that's they'll stay out in L.A. I know we were talking about that with uh, a couple other teams during this series here about where you are in L.A. for back-to-back weeks or in New York for back-to-back weeks. Um, but I think with having a Thursday night game, that second game, I think there's no question you have to stay out there. Yeah. Yeah, but, they. Uh, there's no way that they would come home on Monday and then fly back out on like Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, I have them at eight and eight though. Uh, three and three in the division, splitting all three games, all three teams. I mean, uh, their primetime record is not good in my mind. Uh, I have them winning one which is the Rams game Thursday night, uh, losing in Seattle, in New York, and home against the Bills. A couple surprise wins, I would say. I don't know. I, I don't think any of the wins are really surprising to me. The wins I have are week one against Miami, week three against the Raiders. Uh, at the Bills, I think, would be the most surprising one I would say then at the Texans home against the Cardinals at the Chargers at the Rams so they win four straight there in the end of the season mm-hmm. and then week 17 win home at home against the Jets but yeah um, I mean just looking over your thing I, I agree they're probably going to be somewhere in the middle of the pack there but like I think most of the games we would agree with, except I think that they'll lose in L.A. against the Chargers. And I think they'll beat Denver week five. Location being a big factor in both of those games. Because the Denver game is home in New England, and the Chargers game is out in L.A. Um, L.A. doesn't have a... They don't have a home crowd. Come on. Chargers do not have a home fan base. I'm just saying, but it's still out in L.A., so they still have to get adjusted to, like, the time difference and all that. Um, 
And then there's one other game I think is a toss-up game, and that's the game week 11 in Houston. I think that could go either way. Um, I personally think that Houston is the better overall team, but DeAndre Hopkins not being there is a big loss for them. So we'll have to see how Houston does without him. But I think that that's a winnable game for both teams. So, yeah, I think that they can go like 8-8 eight and eight, like you have, just different, slightly different wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the Houston thing. Uh, I think Houston, Houston, Arizona, and the Chargers game, all three of those could be flipped to losses. Um, I mean, you're right. Sort of about the Broncos. Uh, I don't know. That's still kind of early in the season for Jarrett Stidham to be playing very well. Uh, so I don't know. That's why I had them losing some of the games that I did in the early season. I mean, obviously, they're, like I said, again, it's the NFC West, the AFC West teams. It's going to be tough this year for the AFC East to especially get two teams in. I don't I doubt I highly doubt it. There is not a very high percent chance that the AFC East produces a wild card team even with seven seeds this year. Um but yeah. <laughs> eight and eight though for me. Uh and you you said eight and eight too. Mm-hmm. Hey, what what was your uh what do you think divisional record wise Patriots will go. I had three and three. Yeah, same as you, splitting all three. Yeah. Uh, move on to the last team here, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they didn't have a first-round pick, just like the Patriots, except they actually traded their first-round pick for a player instead of a draft pick. Um, they traded their first-round pick for Stephon Diggs from the Vikings for actually a lot more than a first-round pick. But anyways, uh their first pick was A.J. Epinesa, the edge rusher out of Iowa. Then third-round pick, running back Zach Moss out of Utah. Wide receiver Gabriel Davis from Central Florida in the fourth. Then they got quarterback Jake Fromm in the fifth round from Georgia. Two sixth-round picks, kicker Tyler Bass from Georgia Southern, which was a pick that they got from the Browns in the Wyatt Teller trade. Wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins, also a sixth-rounder from Oregon State, was a pick that they got from the Patriots in the Russell Bodine trade. And then their seventh-round selection was corner Dane Jackson from Pitt, and that was the only pick that they got back in the Stephon Diggs trade uh, from the Vikings. So who was your favorite pick from the Bills draft picks here? I mean... (sighs) They had a limited selection here. They only had six picks. But... Um, seven. Seven picks. Or, or seven, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but still, it's still a limited amount compared to some other teams. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick a favorite here. I mean, I know who my real favorite is, but I know he's yours too, so I'll let I'll let you talk about him, but I'll pick somebody else. Um, Take Jake Fromm. <laughs> I want to, but he's also not going to play unless, like, uh, Josh Allen were to get hurt or something like that. 
So, I don't know. I think that Zach Moss will be one of the better picks in this draft class for the bill. Um, I think he'll get a good amount of playing time with Singletary questionable to play a lot of the time because of his injury history. And, like, even if he's still on the field, I think that they'll use Zach Moss to kind of lighten the load for Singletary. Um, And I think he'll be a great compliment for Singletary. So I just, I don't know, I I like Zach Moss, and I was kind of sad to see him go to Buffalo. (laughs) I hate when any any player goes to any of my rivals. But, yeah, I, I did like Zach Moss going into the draft, too. Yeah, uh, Zach Moss is definitely a power guy. Uh, he does have long run speed, but I think Singletary is more of the shiftier, the shiftier of the two backs. And uh, I think Singletary also has better receiving skills. But yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, AJ Epines out of Iowa. I loved him coming into the draft. Uh, he's not, he's not a speed rusher. He's gonna be a power guy off the edge. And he won't have to start right away. Uh, they have proven guys in Trent Murphy and Jerry Hughes on at the DN spots, um, as well as they added Mario Addison from the Panthers in free agency. So there's your four, along with AJ Epinesa. There's your 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 four DNs that'll rotate in and out. And yeah, I just Big Ten guy. Anytime a Big Ten guy comes up, really that most of the time I like him. I mean, I don't know. I just have a feeling that Epines is going to do really well in the NFL. Um, and especially the, I mean, when you look at the tackles in the division, uh, you have a rookie, rookie left tackle in Miami, rookie left tackle in New York. And then you have Isaiah Wynn in New England, um, who was injured his rookie year and it was his rookie year last year two years ago i think it was two years ago yeah but anyways limited experience again so i think if he is gonna play at the right dm position i mean he's he's penciled in as the backup to trent murphy at the left dm position which would be good against miami specifically if two is in anyways um but I think if he if he goes against the left tackles in the division, he'll have a better shot than he he would against the right tackles in the division. Um, that's just me though. <laughs> the the issue I had with the Bills draft here, obviously, like you said, seven picks, not a lot of draft capital, but I think not drafting a linebacker uh, was an issue for me, just because they do have Matt Milano. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds and AJ Klein at the linebacker position, but at the same time, sorry, there's like wind outside, man, and rain's coming. I'm trying to hold everything down uh, while I look off stuff still. Uh, and they also signed Tyler Matikavich from the Steelers. She's a backup. They drafted Voshan Joseph uh, a couple years ago. So their linebacker depth is not promising to me, anyways. That's why I said that. And more corners, I think. They drafted one corner in the seventh round, matter of fact. And I thought that they could have gotten better depth. 
I mean, they do have pretty solid corner depth chart. Don't get me wrong with Tredavious White and Levi Wallace as the starters. And then they signed Josh Norman, who who knows what he's going to bring. And since he's already over 30 and didn't play well in Washington, got benched, actually. Uh, they also have Teron Johnson, who's very underrated. A lot of people don't know who Teron Johnson is. But um, for those in the realm of NFL personnel, you know, you, you know Teron Johnson is a pretty solid nickel-dime corner that can come in and, and provide quality depth snaps. Also, EJ Gaines. They still have EJ Gaines, man. I mean, he's he's been a pretty solid corner every place he's been uh, yeah. in the NFL. So I think – but I think getting more corners, at least one more in the draft, I think would have benefited them, especially with the uncertainty uh, that comes with Josh Norman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um – I mean, for me, I think my head scratcher is pretty much the same as yours because looking at their overall roster, I can't really find a weak spot mm-hmm. other than <clears throat> linebacker, I think, is their weakest. Um, and they didn't draft one. Um, so, yeah, other than, like, I'm trying to think of them in my head right now. Maybe, maybe go after a tight end, but they have... Um, Dawson, can't think of his name now. Dawson Knox, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, and Tommy Sweeney. Yeah, they got Tyler Croft and who was the first guy? I don't even know. Dawson know Knox, third round draft pick last year. Mm-hmm. So miss. I mean, yeah, they could have gotten with a guy from that, but yeah, I think linebacker was definitely the weakest position for the same reasons you said before, and like I said. They're probably the most complete team in the AFC East, and they didn't have many holes. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, the fantasy impact of the rookies here, there's actually a lot more than all the other three teams in the AFC East. Four. Uh, actually, five. My bad. Five different offensive rookies. Um Talk more about Zach Moss, fantasy impact. Um, I mean, fantasy-wise, he might not be as great as he will be in like in real life because of the fact that he is the backup slash complement to Singletary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if Singletary were to get hurt again, he'd be just fine carrying the load by himself. Um. But for now, I think he's a lower-end running back, too, maybe even just a flex guy. Um, definitely in in uh, Dynasty League. Maybe not so much in a regular Fantasy League where there's less players to be on a roster and stuff like that. Um, but, again, running back is one of the most premium positions in Fantasy. So... A lot of people go with the philosophy of the more the merrier. So with that philosophy alone, I think he would make a roster. Um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll be a decent running back two slash flex guy this year. Yeah, I don't I don't like him that much. Uh, I mean, he is the backup um, to Devin Singletary, and I think he does have handcuff value in regular mm-hmm. leagues. Uh, mild dynasty value, though. I, I'm not necessarily 
too high on him. I think he will get drafted in most dynasty leagues, uh, rookie drafts. But with Devin Singletary in there, obviously you said about it earlier, he does have injury issues. But at the same time, Devin Singletary's young. They just drafted him uh, two years ago in 2018. So with him still being so young, it begs the question of will, unless Singletary gets hurt, how much impact will, actually, will Zach Moss actually have throughout his career with Buffalo? Uh, but yeah, I think he will be rostered in Dynasty, uh, no question. I just probably wouldn't have him. I, I just probably wouldn't pick him up there. Uh, moving on to Gabriel Davis, though, wide receiver. Uh, I don't know. The wide receiver was actually one of the the things I was thinking about putting as my head scratcher because behind the, the top three, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, it's kind of a cluster there uh, with Isaiah McKenzie, Duke Williams, Andre Roberts, Robert Foster, who had a pretty good season a couple of years ago, and Isaiah Hodgins, who we'll talk about in a little bit. They drafted... They also have Ray 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 McLeod, who was pretty good in college at Clemson. So, but he has to fight for the four, five, and six wide receiver spots. I think all three of those spots are going to be battled for in training camp. Um, I don't think Gabriel Davis has regular league value and probably not dynasty value either, unless he can prove and that he can make the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, I think the only way to get any value out of him is if he makes it to the fourth spot, which I think is a very long shot to do, um, especially if there is, like, the limited off-season, limited training camps and all that. Um, like we've been saying for pretty much every week, that, like, the rookies, especially the later-round rookies, are going to have a tougher time making an impact on the rosters this year. Um, so, I mean, and they already have, like you were saying, the one guy that stuck out to me in the like bottom half of the receiving core for the Bills is Andre Roberts. Mm-hmm. He has the Andre Roberts has the return value for like the for uh, special teams and stuff. So I think that right there might lock him up on the roster. And um, so that I think that would leave only two spots for Gabriel Davis to fight for. Um, so I don't know. I think it would be tough for him to, to uh, make it on the team. Yeah. Um, well, move on to Jake from... <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just watching the draft uh, day three... Um, I don't know. I think Buffalo is like one of the worst places he could go. They have a young quarterback already, uh, who's only going into his third season. And I know is it four? Yeah, third. He was in. He was in the same class. Oh yeah, seventeen. No, eighteen. Third year. <laughs> yeah, 2018. I thought for some reason Josh Allen was drafted in 17. 
I don't even remember who the quarterbacks were in 17. But <laughs> that was the Miles Garrett draft class. I just remember that. Miles Garrett, Derek Barnett, two guys I remember from that draft class. Christian McCaffrey as well. <laughs> but uh yeah i think i feel like we should remember him since we were there <laughs> i don't think there's any good quarterbacks that year though like oh that was the trubisky draft i just thought of it oh yeah number two overall there we go <laughs> but yeah uh it was literally one of the worst possible situations he could go to in buffalo uh because I just don't – he'll never see the field. There's no way. Allen hasn't proven that he has injury issues. Uh, obviously, he got concussed uh, the one week. But other than that, he hasn't, he hasn't had durability issues. So as well as Matt Barkley being there, even though Matt Barkley is Matt Barkley, at the same time, though, Matt Barkley has proven to be a quality backup quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Jake Fromm will necessarily ever supplant him either. I mean, he could. It's just Jake Fromm's the, – the issues with Jake Fromm, limited arm strength and limited athletic ability. So what he has is his mental side, and that is really his best strength. And his – that's why I think – it was a good spot for him, though, because he's going to be able to, as weird as it seems or sounds, mentor Josh Allen. Literally, I think Jake, Jake Fromm will be, I think before I, I said this before already, that Jake Fromm going to Buffalo has a uh, Josh McCown type feel where Josh Allen can come on the sideline every time and know that Jake Fromm will have something um, to say for him, whether it's good or bad. So, yeah, but no fantasy value, though. I know there's a long spiel to say no fantasy value in Dynasty or regular leagues, but, yeah, Jake Fromm will never see the field in Buffalo. Well, I was going to kind of say, like, it's kind of like what you were saying before, when we were talking about, I, I forget. I think it was when we were talking about the Jets. I think that Jake Fromm is almost in a Brett Favre type situation where they're going to groom him for a year or two, see what he's got. If he's got potential, maybe move him for a draft pick. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about uh, Tyler Bass here, another kicker. This is the first time we talked about kickers. <laughs> they were the only two that were drafted, so. <laughs> Other than punters, which we didn't talk about Mr. Mann for the, for the Jets, but uh, I don't think I, mean, he, I, I don't know if you want to talk about him or not. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about him or not, though. I mean, punter's been one of the weakest positions for the Jets in for, like, the longest time now, so. And his tape actually looked like he's, a, like, an actually good he is pretty solid not gonna lie watching him in the sec uh but yeah tyler bass i like him better a lot better than justin Rohrwasser. um i kind of don't really have a reason <laughs> i just do uh <laughs> but the only issue is that 
it's literally the exact opposite of Justin Rohrwasser, where he's the only kicker on the Patriots roster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tyler Bass comes in and he has to compete with Steven Hauska. And they also have Kari Vedvik on the roster, he who was a preseason All-American in freaking Baltimore two years ago. So... <laughs> yeah, Vedvik does not count, because hey, he... <laughs> he does. He just couldn't... He couldn't beat Dan Bailey in Minnesota. Okay? Yeah, and then he came to <laughs> New York, won the job, and then completely screwed it up in week one and got cut. <laughs> Who's the Jets kicker again? Uh, Brett Marr, I think, is the... I know they signed him. Oh, did they sign him from Dallas? I didn't even remember that. (laughs) And they also have Sam Ficken still that they had last year. He was bad at Penn State, and he was even worse with the Rams. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, Tyler Bass, I don't know. I kind of like him, though. Um, I don't think he'll win, though. I think Hauschka's a really good kicker, mm-hmm. even though I mean, he got he's cut good by enough Minnesota. to be a backup kicker if that's a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there there's no such thing as backup kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Stash him in dynasty, dude. Do it. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always do. I always have two kickers. I need to get a. I need to get a second one in our dynasty league. But anyways, uh, do you have anything on Tyler Bass? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean. Like you said, he's probably not going to win the job. I think that's Hashka's job to lose. He doesn't really have to worry about Vedvik because, I mean, I have a personal vendetta against him, but still, I don't, I don't think he's that great anyway. So I think he automatically comes in as the second kicker, and he has his chance to beat out Hashka, but I don't think it's going to happen. He, who knows? He might get cut and then latch on with another team and have another chance there, but I don't think he'll be there in buffalo yeah or or it could be a scenario where um what happened to the panthers two years ago with um oh man i don't know why i can't think i can't think of no no uh kicker for the chiefs Uh, huh bucker yes harrison bucker the uh the panthers drafted him couple years ago in the seventh round and uh cut him final down in final cuts tried to stash him on their practice squad chiefs claimed him and um that was history but that's that's a scenario i could see happening where they try to stash tyler bass on their practice squad Mm -hmm. and but like i said another team can go and claim him and there are some teams out there still that are looking for a kicker that I think um, could potentially go for him if that scenario plays out like that. I mean, yeah, but there's also the Rams. But like I said, dude, Rodrigo Blankenship's going to win the Rams' kicking job anyways, so mark that down. (laughs) The last rookie here is Isaiah Hodgins, and we already said Gabriel Davis is going to have a hard time winning a spot on the roster, and Isaiah Hodgins has a worse shot. <laughs> at that objective. So yeah, Isaiah Hodgins nowhere even close to the fantasy radar. The rest of the team though, we've said it a couple times already, but this team's loaded, man. Offense and defense. 
I think they are one of the most complete teams in the AFC. You said AFC East earlier. I think it's AFC, period. Uh, especially with their defense, which we'll talk about. But Josh Allen, man, he's on my dynasty team. I love him. Uh, he he needs to do it again, though. Made massive strides last year. Had a great season. Um, and I think just off that puts him in the top ten right now for me, especially with Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, like you kind of said, I need to see it from him again. I need to see that he can do it consistently. <clears throat> I know that coming out of the draft when he was drafted and even a little bit his rookie year, he had pretty bad accuracy issues that sometimes did show up again last year. But if he could clean those up and all that, especially with, like you said, having digs there, um, I think he'll be a solid quarterback. I don't really agree with you on the top 10 thing, though. Uh, but I do think he'll be, like, maybe top 12 to 14. Like, I think he'll be just he's outside a starter. of the top 10. He's a starter in a regular league. 10, 12-man league, he's a starter. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, 12, 12 right there. He's the last starter. <laughs> the running backs, though, uh, we already talked about them, but just touching on uh, Devin Singletary has injury issues. Um, Zach Moss, the RB2, obviously, we said that. But if he stays on the field for all 16 games, I think Devin Singletary is an RB2. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in RB1. I wouldn't draft him as a starter. No, I, again, even with the running back position being like a premium position or whatever, Singletary is not good enough to be like a running back one to me. Yeah. Unless he can stay healthy, then maybe we can see if he has that kind of production. But I still don't think even then. So, yeah, I would put him as a running back two max. Um, the receivers in Buffalo this year, much improved. I mean, they did that last year when they went out and got John Brown, Cole Beasley, um, Andre Roberts. But I think Stephon Diggs is – I love Stephon Diggs. When he was in Minnesota, he was awesome. And um, I love him again in Buffalo. I mean, he – there's not – it's – I think it's different than Minnesota where he had competition for targets in Adam Thielen. In Buffalo, I don't see someone that is that threatening to him. John Brown and Cole Beasley being the, the top two – I just think Stefan Diggs is a bona fide number one wide receiver in fantasy. And I would put John Brown and Cole Beasley in the flex position, though. Cole Beasley more than John Brown. Yeah, I was going to say, I would even consider Cole Beasley as, like, uh, like wide receiver two. Three. Well, I mean, well, it depends. Basis, I mean, basis two running backs, three wide receivers. No, but I'm just saying, wide receiver two, I think he could still potentially do. Um, but I think that Stefan Diggs being there will take away a lot of his targets. Um, but when he gets the ball, he'll be productive, I think. Um, but yeah, I can't stand Diggs because no matter, like, he's tortured me 
for the last couple of years being that he eliminated the Saints out of the playoffs with the Minnesota Miracle, being that I'm a Drew Brees fan. It, it, I hated that. And now he's on Buffalo, and it, he's probably going to do something like that to the Jets. I, I already know it. Not in so, the playoffs, but... <laughs> either way, he'll you know, he'll be the one that knocks them out of the playoff contention that in like week sixteen or seventeen or whatever. It is. You mean week <laughs> six? <laughs> whatever. But <laughs> he'll do that for years to come. He'll do that every year, and yeah. But he is, like you said, the clear number one wide receiver. He's definitely a wide receiver one in any fantasy league. Um. And yeah, I go get him. <laughs> uh, the the tight end position, I I actually really like the tight end position. Uh, not so much Tyler Croft, who's <laughs> tight end two, but Dawson Knox, man, he had a really solid rookie season last year. Um, being a guy that came out, and I wasn't I wasn't too familiar with him out of when he came out of Ole Miss, but. With having Stephon Diggs there, I think the middle of the field is going to open up a lot more for him. Granted, that gives Cole Beasley, like you said, more targets in the slot. But at the same time, I think Dawson Knox is going to get a lot more room in the middle of the field. And that's going to um, give him a jump in, in production as well. So I have him as a tight end, too. Um, I'm not sure. He, he'll probably stay there the whole season. But like you said before, with the limited amount of quality tight ends in fantasy uh who knows dawson knox could be a, a tight end one by season's end yeah i mean that kind of happened last year with like the tight end position a lot of guys that we didn't expect all of a sudden became like top tier fantasy guys Higby. so <laughs> yeah and even um i'm blanking on his name right now like will disley with seattle before he got hurt, he was yeah. consistently putting up double-digit points every week. So I think he, like like you said, I think he has a chance of doing the same thing. Yeah, the then when uh, we'll switch sides of the ball here to the defense, I know I didn't write barely anything on uh, the script here about the defense, but I really don't think I need needed to write any more than I did. Um the defense is solid, man. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best defenses in the NFL. And like I wrote here, I a top 10 unit with top five potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing really to say about that. I agree with that 100%. They're one of the best and could be one of, like, the best <laughs> if yeah. everything goes right for them. It was interesting looking when I was um, looking at the head-scratching moves for their draft. And I just stumbled upon looking, fixating on the D-tackle spot. And holy hell, they go three deep at both D-tackle spots. Star Lutulale, uh, Ed Oliver as the starters. Then they have Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson as their backups. And then even Harrison Phillips and Vincent Taylor as their third stringers are still solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would probably be the second string. Harrison Phillips, I would even put in possible contention to be a starting D-tackle on some other team. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that position alone is enough to – their defense is crazy good. 
mm-hmm. and hoping that they, they have good health. Um, that would be the only thing that I think would derail them because some of the other positions, like we stated, linebacker is not that deep. Neither is uh, safety either when I look at it. But, yeah, defense top five unit potentially. Top ten easily. But their schedule here, um, I have <laughs> – I have them starting out five and zero, oh, man. <laughs> they uh, the Jets week one in Buffalo, uh, then they go to Miami, home against the Rams, at the Raiders, at the Titans, then they have a Thursday night game at home against the Chiefs, which I think is going to be a really good game. Uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night games usually aren't that great, but Buffalo Kansas City on Thursday night I think will be really special. Um, at the Jets week seven, home against the Patriots and Seahawks. At the Cardinals before a week 11 bye. Then they're home against the Chargers at the Niners on, on a Monday night. They come home to play the Steelers on a Sunday night. Uh, and then they're at the Broncos, at the Patriots for a Monday night game, and then home against the Dolphins. Where do you see the Bills record shaking out? I'm looking at yours, and it's pretty much the same thing, except, like, it's a minor tweak, but I think that the road team wins both of the games between the Jets and the Bills. <clears throat> so I think that those two games are flipped, but it's the same thing. And then the Week 14 against Pittsburgh, I think they... they uh, Buffalo. Give me a sec here, Chris. You're uh, cutting out there. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Of course, it's my internet connection is unstable, right? Well, it said mine was, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, so what were you saying about the Pittsburgh game? I don't know. I just I think that Buffalo's the clear, better team there. And... Like, yeah, I, I just – I think that Buffalo can easily win that game. Um, but they, pretty much – They almost hmm? lost in Pittsburgh last year against Duck Hodges. Yeah, but it's a better team this year. It's almost the same team. Well, but Except still. Except <laughs> I, I think that they can go – well, that game's – okay, I don't want to say it's a clear win. It's more of a – flip for me. It can go either way. But for the most part, from your prediction here, I think I'd agree with pretty much 100%. So I think they could go 10-6, and six, even 11-5, and five, depending on how that Pittsburgh game goes. Yeah. Like you said, I have 10-6, I have and 4-2 and two in the division with the losses coming to the Jets, Week 7 in New York, and Week 17 at home against Miami because I think they'll already have the division wrapped up and they'll rest Josh Allen and the rest of the starters. Um, but yeah, like I said, 5-0 and to start out. The toughest game is that last game of their 5-0 and stretch at Tennessee. Should be tough. But like I was saying about the D-tackles, they are probably one of the better equipped teams to handle Derrick Henry. Uh, the linebackers would be the harder part, so I think they need their D-linemen to stop him 
more times than not before he gets to the linebackers. But, yeah, the Thursday night game against Kansas City, it's in Buffalo, so they could realistically win that game. I, I could see a scenario where they win that game. Um, I think that loss against the Jets week seven, I think because they play Kansas City the week before that, even with an extended week to get ready mm-hmm. to go to New York, I don't. I think it's it's just kind of a a letdown game that they're gonna come in and not think anything of it being mm-hmm. it's the Jets. <laughs> no offense, Chris. <laughs> that's that's just what my coaching hat says. Uh, yeah, losing against Seattle, I think that's a not a given because, like I said, I think the Bills are one of the best teams in the AFC this year, but. Again, that one's in Buffalo, though. So, again, it's it, they have a shot more than they would if it was in Seattle. And I think I think the Bills schedule shows how, how different it is from the other three teams um, where they get the harder teams at home. I, I forget mm-hmm. which other team because, I mean, it's always two and two. Two teams get the teams at home. Two teams get the teams away. And I, I don't remember looking at the schedules. It's not the Jets, I don't think. Which which franchise got the? It, it's probably the Patriots, I think, actually, because I think it yeah. was like the top two teams. Yeah, Patriots go to LA. So, wow, the the Bills got both LA teams at home. So maybe it's not. Maybe it's not all all the same. I think it's the <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, getting Seattle, Kansas City at home, I think, are huge wins for them. And, yeah, getting Pittsburgh in Buffalo is definitely gives them a better shot because, like I said last year, they almost lost to Duck Hodges. Granted, that was in Pittsburgh. I was there for that game. Very frustrating. But uh, I didn't have to work. At San Francisco, I think that, that's an easy loss. Uh, the Arizona game could be tricky being in Arizona and being just played Seattle. Um, that could be a tough one. Also... Denver, I'm going to keep riding the Drew Lock train. Week 15 in Denver before going to New England for a Monday night game. That that stretch after their bye week is really tough. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, Niners, Steelers, Broncos, and Patriots. I'm going to leave the Dolphins out of it for now. <laughs> I think that, that five-game stretch to end the season, I think if they go... What I have them going three and two in that five game stretch. I think three and two is great in that five game stretch. Mm-hmm. They go three and two in that stretch, and they produce the record that I have within their first ten games. I think that five game stretch will easily um, get them ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And like I said, yeah, I think they they'll got- have. I think they'll have the division locked up probably by week fifteen. Maybe. Yeah, the week 15 win against Denver, I think, is when they'll win the division. <clears throat> or Actually, I don't know, though. I think that New England will still be in contention there in week 16. So that win over New England, I think, is what is going to win them the division. Yeah, see, I did. I, I originally, when I picked games here, I did have them at 9-7. and seven. Uh, But I just, I don't know. I, I just couldn't put them at 9-7. and seven. I had to get them to double-digit wins. So I think, if I remember correctly, I think the game I flipped was the Arizona game. I think I had them losing in Arizona 
Um, but I think that's the game I flipped. And if it wasn't that one, it was the Tennessee game. I think it, it was either one of those two games, an away game that I had them losing that I now have them winning. But anyways, yeah, 10 and 6 for the Bills. Uh, obviously, I had them winning the division. Uh, I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but your, your division race is a little tighter than mine, though. I know I have. I think they win the division easily. Uh, but oh no! Didn't you have the Patriots at like nine and seven or eight, eight, and eight, eight. something like that? Yeah, so it's still only two games. Yeah, but I think the manner in which they win the division is where the easily part comes into play. <laughs> yeah. I just think that the Patriots will hang in there too long throughout the season. And then, like I said, that Week 16 game is when the division will be decided. What about the Jets? You don't think the Jets will be in the divisional race at the end of the season? As much as I want to say it, the schedule is just... They have too many hard teams to play this year. If the schedule was a little easier, I would definitely have them at, like, 10 and 6. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> no, they, they're going 8 and 8, I think. Yeah, so... Um, that is our picks for the division. That is our series, the eighth round. Um, very fun doing this series. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll start our somewhat normal shows, talking, um, we'll start to talk about some more fantasy football, more in-depth. Uh, we'll get into actual rosters and stuff like that. We'll probably be show some screenshots of uh our dynasty league as examples maybe but we'll also talk about some free agents that are still available uh specifically colin kaepernick we'll have a a pretty good discussion on him next week what teams should sign him um cam newton also we'll talk about him a little bit and then in a couple weeks we'll get our seasonal picks as a training camp comes around late july so as always, remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, as well as here on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, Instagram, FAA Podcast. Same thing for Twitter, except the FAA and the P in podcast is all capitalized. As well as follow us on Spotify. Make sure to download us and listen to us later. And we will be back next week. Thanks, Chris. See you later.